You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm your host, Sean Rowley. And Derek Specht is still out and about wandering aimlessly. So we didn't get to talk to David Lee, the passionate paddler, quite long enough last week. And we've got him back with us. How are you doing this week, David? I'm doing well. You mean you haven't had enough of me already? Not yet. <laughs> we'll at least get another half show out of you. Squeeze every little bit we can. <laughs> And maybe Derek will think twice about going on vacation. There we go. Yeah. So we were talking about who you are, the Passion Paddler, where the moniker came from, right. places you've gone, um, your wish list to paddle. We talked about the little Nahani right. and all the white water and, and all that sort of stuff and amazing places, really, really. And your Facebook page. Right. You know, anybody that's listening, check out uh, the Passion Paddler on Facebook. Uh, see the pictures, the trip logs and stuff like that. Awesome. Um, now, out of all these experiences and all these places you've gone, right? what are some of the biggest experiences that just stand out in your mind? <laughs> Things that you're going to, when you're a little old man in the old age home <laughs> with your walker. I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> sitting, <laughs> sitting in your chair. What's going to be in your mind thinking, I remember when. Right. You know what? Um, you know, I, I can't say there's like one thing that stands out. I can say there's a lot of things. And, right. and I think that speaks about the amazing experiences that, you know, I was, you know, I was able to have. And, um, you know, when I do a canoe trip, you know, it's not like I try to make every canoe trip epic. Now, my wife might not agree with me <laughs> on that, right? But I've I seen see, stories. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, I, I may have some, you know, you know, my wife want, might want to actually be on the show and, and correct my, you know, my statements. But uh, like I said, when I when I do a trip, um, you know, it's fine. Like, you know, you can go to a Gonquini, you can do, you know, a, a, a relaxing route. But like I said, for me, I, I like to take it up a notch, right? Right. Um, I've done that, right? And it's not that I've done that, you know, been there, done that, and I don't want to do any more. But, you know, I have uh, the ability, I have the energy, I have the drive, and that's what kind of pushes me to the next level. And, and I look for routes that are different, that are, might be challenging, that might be lost. In fact, actually, in, you know, in the early days of, of me paddling, I mean, Kevin Callan was actually my, my you know, I, I guess you can say my mentor, right? Right. Um, he was actually the one, I mean, a lot of people have Bill Mason as the one that brought him into the canoeing world. But for me, it was actually Kevin Callan that, that you know, got me all, um, you know, hugely interested in paddling. But anyhow, when I was, I have a lot of his route books, if not most of them, and, you know, I was going through a lot of his routes, and the one that was the most favorite was the one on Lost Canoe Routes, right? That it, are, haven't been used in, exactly. in ages. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it wasn't the one in Ngonquin, it wasn't, uh, you know, your cottage country one, it wasn't, it wasn't those ones, it was the lost one. And, and you know what, granted, it's not for everybody. You know, there's times where you, you could possibly get lost. You, you can't find the portage trail. Um, you know, bushwhacking with a canoe on your head. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you, know, you can even get that in Algonquin, right? If you go in some of the the more uh, remote um, areas. But that's the challenges that I love, right? Um, you know, these routes won't won't have signage. Right. So it won't clearly say, hey, you know what? Over here. You know, over here. Yeah. You better know that, you know, when you hear water, like rushing water, or you hear frothy water, like boiling water, that, hey, I, there's no sign, but I better get out and inspect this, right? So these are the things that come with experience and time, right? right. And and it's and it's for people that, you know, just want to take it to the next level. And not only, not only is it the experience of getting immersed in that part of the trip but it's also because i share my experiences i'm hoping that other people may also want to go and visit these places and that's kind of why i also share i share the pictures i share the stories right i mean some people may be totally turned off by it <laughs> but i'm hoping that other people will follow along in my footsteps and it's and experiences experience what i have right yeah well i mean that's that's I, that's what i enjoy about the the photographic trip logs right and stuff is that i can actually see Right. What's there, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? I would love to go there. Just looking at the scenery, and mm -hmm. it gives you that extra little bit to 
right. to get you up off your butt and, exactly. and get out there and check these other routes, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, when, when, we, when you ask about <clears throat> what stands out, there isn't one thing that stands out. There, there's actually a multitude, and that's the problem. I could probably just babble on for, forever, right? But I'll speak on the one just recently that happened on the Bolin River. And again, it was a, it's a, it's near the Mississauga uh, Provincial Park, yep. which is uh, just north of um, Elliott Lake, and and I knew that this route was <clears throat> not not traveled very often, and, and it's and there was some challenges, <clears throat> and. And the biggest challenge we came upon this trip um, was the blowdowns on the portage. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was inc- it was insane. Actually, it was. I've never experienced uh, like that many blowdowns in a thick forest like that. That, you know, what we were doing a two-kilometer portage. The first kilometer was actually in good shape because um, ATVs ATVers had gone through there, right? Right. Even though there was blowdowns um, that they hadn't gotten to. And so I would say, you know, you know there was probably, what I don't know, maybe half, uh, a dozen of uh, blowdowns where we had to cut through. But when we got to the second half, it went from good portage to nightmare portage because this part, part of the, uh, of the portage no one had gone through probably in a very very long time and no ATVs had gone through there it was totally different it was it was like a narrow narrow uh, trail that was dark that was just it was like a thick forest you know if you can imagine things like you know lord of the rings where you know it's right. dark and you know that's it was kind of like the type of forest that we were in and because there, there was blowdowns like matchsticks it was it was just insane to get through and so literally it took about about four hours to get through a kilometer. Wow. Yeah. And so we spent a significant amount of time cutting, yeah. um, cutting our way through and, and, and also looking for the trail because it was because no one gone through. Of course, the wear and tear on the ground, everything was growing back up again. Right. right. So as, as horrendous as it sounds and, and, and it was tough. I mean, we were we were borderline dehydrated. We were exhausted. And, you know, the, the black flies are insane. Honestly, it just, I come away with it and it's just like amazing. I don't know why. It's just for me, it, it's just an amazing experience. Um, thankfully, you know, the other members of my, my team didn't kill me and leave me there. <laughs> Who planned the trip? Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that right there. <laughs> but you know what? But you know, so this is the thing. It's like. I wouldn't, you know, you don't know what to expect there. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of it. If I go to Algonquin and I follow, you know, not the black portage, right? If I follow the regular portage, I know that there will be a sign on either end. And I know that there will be a nice path to the next lake. Right. Straightforward. You know what? Algonquin is known for the long portage. So, yeah, you can have your challenges that way. But then I go on on this route on the Bolin River and, yeah, they're supposed to be a portage here but there's no sign here they may you know there's no there might not be even sign of it like one of the first portage we did on that trip it was apparently gone um or or just not used and so there was another portage by a creek but we actually found the first one fairly easy so we knew that's you know other people had gone there right sure we had to do some clearing but it wasn't until that big two kilometer portage where we really found it in rough, rough shape. Right. But, but the fact that we all survived together and we all got out alive, I mean, it it is, like you said, it's seared in my head and I will never, ever forget it. Yeah, it, and that's, that's, that's one of the things about some of these canoe trips that you do is it's not so much the route, right? you know, point A to point B. It's what happens between point A to point B. And if you can get through it and, I mean... We did, uh, it's a four kilometer portage from Hogan to, um, Big Crow. Okay. And I did that last October with Big Pack and, right. and, and all the gear and I did it in one go. Nice. And it's just like, you get to the end and your arms are just, you can't feel them and, <laughs> yeah. and your legs and you're just looking at it thinking, how, how am I going to get all this stuff off? <laughs> yeah. But then you get all that off and you're thinking, I just walked four kilometers with all this gear. Wow. And one go without stopping, Amazing. single carry board time. And you're just like, wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's not necessarily, you know, start of the trip, end of the yeah. trip. It's 
It's, it's, it's the experience that happens between. I think that we know that uh, quote very well, right? It's yeah. it's what is not the 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 destination, but it's the journey, the journey. right? Right. So and 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 that's perfectly um, how I describe it. Like for me, a trip, it could be it it may not be the most scenic, right? Yep. It doesn't have to be you know the best conditions, right? Um, but you know. A lot of it, of course, have plays in with the, the group that you're tripping with, right? And which is quite important. But it's the experience drawn from, you know, your trials or your challenges and how you got over it, right? Right. And and I'll tell you, even one of the worst bugs. I mean, this trip, the the Bolin uh, River trip, with bugs were really bad, like especially the black flies. I've had a worse trip with black flies up. Oh, sorry, with bugs, black flies, and mosquitoes, and, and whatever up in the Shaplow when I did the Shaplow and Nemagasenda River, and uh, we hit it that in the peak. And you know how bad it was? It was when we got back to town in Shaplow, people in town wearing bug shirts, yeah. right? And the, even the, the locals were saying it's bad. When the locals yeah. are saying it's, it's bad, bad, it's bad, and you're going on the bush, it's like suicidal bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so. Um, that trip, it, it was tough. I mean, you know, again, it was lost. There wasn't, you know, things were, you know, we had to cut through blowdowns and things like that. But the thing that stands out on that trip was just insane bugs, right? The bugs weren't even acting the same way that they should have. Like we had, um, what do you call them? mosquitoes right in the middle of the afternoon. We had black right. flies, like even in the dark and the shade in the evening, right? Um, we were literally wearing our bug shirts the whole trip and not even washing, like it was like nine days of not washing. Yes, yeah, like, that one bare piece of skin. And yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, but you know what? You know the uh, uh, you know I, it was four of us that did this trip, and when I when I get together and I, we we talk about you know you know past old trips, as hard as that trip was, we all say that was like the best trip. Yeah. Right. It, it's just amazing that, you know, when you reflect back on it and it's seared into your mind how bad it was at that time, how good it is afterwards. Yeah. And you know what? There's it's there's some trips I've been on that there were challenges I've never had to do before. Right. And I mean, it was many years before I had to do a portage or a, a semi portage <laughs> waist deep in muck. Yeah. You know, and you get to the end and you're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And then you look down at your legs and you're all covered in yep. mud and blood suckers. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you're at the time you're thinking, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, it's all cleaned up and that was difficult. And then you're sitting there, you know what? I did that and I've never had to do it before. I've seen other people do it. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah so I guess, yeah, the, the amazing experiences are an actual not necessarily a full trip, but right. some of the challenges that happen on the trip that you can get through. Exactly. exactly. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so at the end of the day, all the paddling you do and all the trips you go on and all the trip logs and everything else, what do you get out of this? Like personally? Personally? I mean, <clears throat> I think I get a lot of things out of it. And I think, you know, depending on the trip, you know, different things, right? Um, I mean... I love the outdoors, regardless of whether I was actually canoeing or not. I mean, right. canoeing is something that I've gravitated to and really felt a connection to. So that's why, you know, obviously I, I call myself the passion paddler and why I, I canoe so much. But even prior to that, I know I knew as a kid that I just felt a natural connection to the outdoors. I love the outdoors. My mom, you know, I grew up um, in a very... I would say very typical Asian family home where, you know, books were important, grades were important, things like that. And so, you know, we were, you know, we had to spend time reading, we had to you know, do our homework, you know, play piano, all that kind of stuff. But my head was always out the window looking out, looking outside. Right. right. And and from a kid, I, I knew, and my mom knew too, it was a challenge of trying to keep me indoors to try to do things, you know, you know, whatever at inside at home. I just feel very comfortable outside. And I just you know, have a natural connection to it. I mean, I think we all do. I mean, we, we're all, you know, we're all on this earth, right? And yep. I think sometimes being in our concrete jungle and, and having our, our cell phones and our computers and, you know, access to, uh, access to all these luxury items, like, you know, hot water and things like that, that we kind of forget what's really out there, that, you know, that we belong out there. And, and we yeah. get that disconnect. 
right? Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, even my wife, she looks at me some days and says, you know what? You better book yourself a weekend <laughs> off somewhere. You need you to know, go. <laughs> you need to go on a canoe trip. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can just tell. You just, everything gets, yeah, get, that just gets all bottled up and you just need to get out there. and Right. I think, and I think that's it. Like when you, when you get out there, you get the fresh air, you got the sun, lots of vitamin D, um, you got the wide open spaces, you yeah. know, and, and, and things like that. It's just, it, it, it's, it's proven that we just naturally feel better when we're out there. Right. And so what do I get out of it? I would say a lot of things, I would, you know, from, from just feeling great, you know, just health wise. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the exercise part of it, the exertion, right. Um, you know, getting out to fresh air and getting, getting your vitamin D, your sun, whatnot like that. Um, but it's also, it's, it's also the, um, you know, the time that we can reflect, like, you know, you wake up in the morning, get to watch the mist coming off the water. Um, it's also about, you know, like you, you, you do a lot of photography you're a photographer yeah. yourself and, and so do I. And one thing, one thing that I've, I've learned through photography is learning to pay attention to detail. Right. Right. And, you know, you look at the smallest things, you look things at a different scale, you know, from, from far back. Right. And, and, and you, you see and, you know, get to ex- examine all kinds of things that are out there that if we weren't paying attention, we would miss. Right. Exactly. And, and I think that's, that's powerful that, you know, it, it helps us to see what's out there and, 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 you know, not like I guess just like pay attention to details that's basically what I'm saying right right um and, and just not just brush it over right um and a lot of people get different things from it some people get spiritual um with being outdoors you know I I, I don't particularly um have a religion or anything like that to me I could you could easily say that my church is is the is the wilderness right right I mean uh, and I know there's a lot of people that feel the same way these days right right um and and but it's not like i go out there and, and i pray out in the wilderness i don't it's just that's where i feel comfortable and that's, that's where, where you I feel, feel peaceful whole. and exactly yeah exactly so you know what different things to different people um i i love the challenges of of trips i think we've already talked mm-hmm. about the challenges right i i like i love exerting myself challenging myself on trip and when i come out of it I feel just, it's like someone who ran a marathon, right? Why do they do it, right? They do it because they challenge themselves. They know that they've done it and, and they feel they feel amazing. They feel great. Feel good about do- themselves. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. So I think there's a lot, um, lots of things that you can come out of a, uh, experience outdoors, whether you're canoeing or whether you're hiking, backpacking or whatever, right? But it's, it's you know, it's different things to different people. Yeah, I guess you, you get out of it what you put into it too exactly right? so yeah now you talk a lot about um going out with people and different groups and stuff like that you have something called the d3 crew <laughs> what is the d3 crew the d3 crew i'm bad for making all you know giving you know nicknames to people and 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 of course our little group here it you know what it kind of started out with <laughs> oh so here, here's some background information I found that through, you know, my canoeing life, which is not very long, but, you know, you know, I, I tend to get a bunch of people interested in canoeing and, you know, we, we start canoeing and whatever. And, and they tend to sometimes drop off or fade away because it's whether it's too challenging or, or, or whether life happens, they get married or whatever. Right. So different things. Right. And, and I go through different cycles of friends. Right. And, um, and so I was looking, you know, again, I was looking at these other challenging routes, right? Um, it's easy enough to get someone just to do a, a, an easy canoe trip, right? Yes. But to try to get people at this level and ability and, and desire, it's a little more challenging, right? So there was this route that I wanted to do on the Hollow River that, you know, as far as we knew that no one had done. Yeah. And we still, you know, maybe someone had done it. We we just don't have record of it, right? Right. Um and it was challenging to get through, and then it was also challenging because we knew that there was a, a severe amount of uh, elevation loss, right? So waterfalls and whatnot. Anyhow, I was looking for people that would want to tackle this route, and, and I put it out to a bunch of people that I started to meet through the internet and connect with through Facebook and whatnot like that, and uh, and I put it out, and lo and behold, I had three other people, and 
that's where D3 came. I, I We call it, or <laughs> let me say, I called it <laughs> deep down and dirty just because, just like you were saying, you know, how we've gone through a portage where you're like waist deep in muck. Yeah. Well, it's kind of along the same principle because we're in places where portages don't exist. You know, we're in difficult terrain. And we may be, we may be in swamps and, and in the water waist deep or whatever the case is, right? And that's why I called it the D3 crew. And so that's where it came about. We did the trip. Uh, uh, this is now our third year. Um, we did the, the trip of the first year. It was a success. It was an amazing, amazing route. We got to see um, the Hollow River that I don't think anyone has seen or, or done in maybe who knows how long. Right. Um, but since then it's been our third year. So we've tackled different routes, um, in the last, you know, the last three, well, last two years after the first one. So yeah, that's, that's why we named it as such. And, and we just kind of look forward to another challenging route where we can, we can, you know, immerse ourselves in. Well, I, I do a father's day trip usually every year. Right. And I do Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving trip. Nice. Uh, because that's my birthday. So I do Father's Day and a birthday <laughs> trip every year, right? And it's nice to look forward. Yeah. You know, you know what? I've got two trips at least. Right. So if you got the D3 crew, I bet you all of you <laughs> are sitting there every year going, oh, where are we going this year? Oh, because yeah. Because we're going. And even Derek, he's got some buddies from work. And yeah. every year they end up on a canoe trip somewhere, right. you know? And yeah. I think when it comes to, to especially canoe trippers, that is something every... I don't know if you want to call them hardcore trippers, but yeah. they all have that certain little group or yeah. or trip that they always do every year and look forward to it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it doesn't necessarily even have to be, like I said, it's something challenging. Like you said, you've got your Father's Day trip and yep. your, your birthday trip. It's something that you look forward to, right? Um, I, I guided um, for 10 years. I guided. Now, this guy, when I talk about guiding, it's not in terms of me making money or working for a company. Um, it started out from work that they knew that I was doing these trips and, and they were interested in fishing these lakes, right? And, right. and they were like, David, how could you go into these remote lakes and not even take a fishing rod? And to me, it personally, it's not, for me, it's about fishing, right? Yeah. But for them, they thought, here's an opportunity where they can join me and they can fish these lakes, right? And that's kind of how it started. So every year I planned a route and, and uh, you know, different groups of people joined in, right? So... Um, you know, there was a lot of anticipation that, you know, the group enjoyed it, right? Other guys heard about it. And some, some of we had a small group, like, you know, I think the smallest we've ever got was four and we've had as large as 10. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, the word gets out and how fun it is and whatever, and different yeah. guys, you know, join in and it, yeah, it was, it was a huge source of, of, of anticipation, right? So when we finished the trip, you know, we're already talking about, the next one and where we would go and things like that. And I think you know that exactly. Actually, any yeah. canoeist would know that if, if it becomes a tradition, right? Like a year after year tradition. And um, and just like our D3 crew, crew, when we finish a trip, we're already, you know, discussing, you know, how many other routes that we'd like to tackle or different ones that we want to we do. So, yeah, I think, you know, we, we have our long Canadian winters, you know, yeah. what's better than to talk about a future canoe trips coming up? Right? Yeah. Well, Derek and I, we were talking about the ranger cabins. Right. You know, and that's exactly what we said. Just one question. I wonder if you could hit all of ranger camp. And I'll guarantee you at some point. Right. That's going to be a trip. Awesome. You See, know? Yeah. And that's how it starts. Exactly. And then, yeah, it's just like little kids at Christmas. You know, you got that. Oh, yep. Here's what we're doing next year. Let's start planning. Yeah. And it just starts from there yeah so do you guys know where your d3 crew's heading this year <laughs> well <clears throat> so this year it's so we we normally kind of do it in the springtime because a lot of the routes that we do uh tend to have low water right so if we were trying to maximize the level of the water we that's what we try to take it um, advantage of in the spring um this year so we've done it but this year we actually failed <laughs> I know a big whoa. <laughs> That's not in our in our in our psyche. Um, but no, literally we did get stopped by ice. So, oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We we went. Um, I mean, the ice was actually not even the difficult part. I mean, we obviously just couldn't go any further. But it was the snow on the portage that was just brutal. 
It was shade and had melted yet. Yeah, it it was, it was, it it, literally, it was deep. Like a lot of times it was past our knees. Um, One time I walked into a spot. I I don't know what the heck I walked walked into, but it literally went up to my chest and I had a hard time getting out. Right. Right. And so, um, unfortunately we were, we got all the way. uh, It was called the Grant Creek trip, Grant Creek and uh, and we were supposed to connect with another creek on, on the Bissett Creek on the other side. Okay. Anyhow, we never made it because by the time we got to the lake, it was totally frozen shut. We we you know we did discuss the possibility of it because the, our spring didn't warm up the way we had hoped. Yeah. This yeah. Was a yeah. It started off warm and then it went cold, cold and it and stayed cold. Froze again. Yeah. yeah. And so it was kind of like a tease. And so we actually had postponed the trip a couple of weeks, but you know what? Pfft, obviously we. Didn't wait long enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, you know Canoe what? trip needs snowshoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, hey, you know what? It's, you know, it's it's not a failure for not trying. Um, you know, we ran into conditions we couldn't, uh, we couldn't overcome. So, it just means that, hey, it's going to wait for another year. Even a bad day on the water is better than a good day, day at work. You got it. <laughs> any day. Any yeah. day. So, before I let you go here. I got one last question. Mm-hmm. Gear. If you had one piece of gear right. that you had to take with you, what would it be? So in terms of on a canoe trip? On a canoe trip. Like, know, like knowing that I already have all the other basics or an yep. additional thing? Anything, anything that you find that you can't do without on a canoe. With me, and everybody knows, it's my water filter. Because mm-hmm. I just guzzle the water. Yeah. You know, some people it's, you know, a stove that they, their, their favorite stove. Or okay. They've got to have their camp pillow. Or, yeah. Or yeah. I mean, you know, I think we all, you know, we would all need like, you know, water. So mm-hmm. we need some, some ways of purifying the water or we would need some kind of, you know, flame to cook, whether it's fire or whatever. So I'm not going to even talk about the general stuff because that stuff, you know what? It, it's, it's a standard. Needs it. Yeah. Everybody yeah. needs it. What? I've come to to love and will take now this is actually more based on season because obviously I don't need it at the end of the season is my um, Eureka VCS um, shelter it's, right. it's called the VCS because it's a very it's called a variable variable component shelter okay um, it comes in two pieces so you got the tarp everyone takes a tarp regardless right, right. because of the rain but what you can attach is a bug uh, net mesh uh, um, to the underside of the tarp okay and it becomes a shelter. Right. And so like on this last trip that I did on the Bolden River, it would be brutal to not have that. By having that bug shelter, we had, you know, um, you know, peace. We had we you could we, get out of the bugs. Yeah. We had a slice yeah. of, you know, you could say you know, serenity or, or whatever you want to call it, like paradise, you know, from the bugs. Right. right. And it just gave us our sanity back. Right. Um, I mean, to be out in the in the heat and with the bug shirt all day, you know, you you don't want to be wearing that all day. And you, could you imagine coming back to camp and trying to cook, and the bugs are all flying in your face and whatnot? Being in the bug shelter, we could obviously take all that off, and we can actually just feel normal again. Right. Right. Um, and you know, I mean, the argument would be: so then, why would you go at this time of year? And well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I could say that, but I mean, the, their their argument is, hey, you know, it's the bugs. Like, why would you yeah. torture yourself? You know, in that in that sense. And I get it. I, I understand um, because I don't like any um, bugs anymore, or any and less than, or any more than anyone else, right? But one of the reasons is, well, actually, I think there's a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is sometimes the roots involve uh, river travel. And the Bolin River does get dry, right? right? Or it gets or very low, low right? Low, yeah. Exactly. So, in order to take the uh, advantage of the higher water levels, you have to go in the spring, yeah, right. And so, there's your risk of running into bugs, and so that's why we go in the spring. So, obviously, in, 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 so that we can actually uh, go on the route. Yeah. The other part of it too, which you know. I think it's kind of like a side benefit is that when you go in the spring, when there's bug, unfortunately, you get to see things very differently from the summer or from the fall, 
right? You get to see tons of flowers right. blooming, right? You get to see the greening of the greening of the forest, right? So you know, instead of having the nice dark green uh, um, leaves in, in in the midsummer, you got the nice lime green, different shades of green. Like it's it just it's just beautiful, right? It's it just you just see things differently. Um, I've also experienced um, seeing what do you call um, dragonflies. Yeah, uh, metamorphosize into being dragonflies, right? right. From, from right hanging off our tarp shelter, like things like that, I would not see. I've also seen things like uh, pollen, you know, from the pine trees, right, all oh, in the yeah. water, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, so you kind of you would miss out a huge part of this the the season, the changing season, if you if wildlife. You told it. Ex- wildlife, yeah, perfect example. They don't like bugs, so where do you think they're going to be? They're going to be out in the opens up yeah. quite often, and you right? get the young. Yeah. In the spring, right? exactly. Yeah, see so, the the moose, the yeah. baby moose, and stuff. Look how many souls. Look how many reasons there are, right? Yeah. So yes, if you think about bugs as a sole deterrent, if you're not going to be comfortable and you don't have ways to deal with it, understandably, it probably is better that you avoid it, right? Right. But if you know how to deal with it and you have things like this VCS bug shelter, you can still enjoy many aspects of what the spring has to offer. So in spring, your piece of gear would be the VCS bug bug shelter or Eureka bug yeah. shelter, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's by Eureka. It's by Eureka. Yeah. yeah, and I, you know what, I've I'm not like sold as in you know sold it. You know, I've personally sold it, but because I've recommended and I've worked with Eureka at the show, I've you know convinced many people to to purchase it. Yeah. And boy, there is not a single person that does not regret regret the purchase. They absolutely love it. All right, I have to check one out. Now you can use the just as a tarp or as a bug shelter. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. You can take yeah. the you can it's just buckles, right? So you can take the the shelter part like the bug mesh off, right? And then it becomes a regular tarp. And everybody needs a tarp regardless. Yeah. Right? Oh, definitely. Exactly. Definitely. And the and, and the beauty of having two parts is is let's say you've got a big dog. Let's say Hunter. Yeah. Right. Runs into the mesh and tears it apart or wrecks the zipper and you can't fix it, right? The beauty of it is that you can just buy another mesh shelter and away you go. You don't have to right. buy the whole 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 unit, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's you know what? It's 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 a piece of gear that I totally wholeheartedly recommend and something that I love. And I will take it, you know, from spring to probably about midway through the summer if also if it's the you know the mosquito season's really bad like yeah. if it's really bad then i'll also take it as well too yeah i mean if you and if you're going to some place you know it's going to be marshy yeah exactly yeah, it's perfect thing yeah. that's a good piece yeah well already well thank you very much david <laughs> you're welcome it's did been, i babble on been, too long <laughs> no that was that was fine uh it's been good talking to you yeah. for anybody that's listened david lee the passionate paddler Check him out on Facebook. Follow his adventures and uh, see what uh, what he's all about. Thank you, and we'll make sure we get you on here again to talk about a few more things. Well, thank you again, Sean. All right, you have a good one. Awesome. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Although Derek's not been in the studio with us the last couple of weeks, uh, he's been at the Madawaska Canoe Centre learning the fine art of whitewater canoe paddling. Uh, we did manage to sit down before he left and uh, record a little segment about something that he, he was interested in. So here's what uh, Derek had to ask me before he left. Sean, what do you carry for backcountry repair kits? For, you know, if if you hole a canoe or you hit a rock or uh, you rip your sleeping bag or burn a hole in your tent, do you carry a, a safety emergency repair kit? You know, first aid for yourself and first aid for your equipment. 
Well, I carry the first aid for myself. Um, I never put my tents close enough to burn a hole in it. Hopefully I never do. Um, duct tape. <laughs> I, <laughs> you have? I, I, I in, in the fly of my tent, there's a little burn holes, but you know, wind catches it right down. You got a windy day and you got a campfire. Yeah. <laughs> I've got uh, a couple small burn holes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I bring some extra, extra rope. Uh, we've had canoe seats break. Yes. Um, so you get, you know, a bit of, a bit of rope to, uh, grab a nice sturdy stick and, uh, you know, you, you tie on the stick to the broken part of the, your seat, yes. your canoe seat and, yeah. uh, it, it lasts. I bring duct tape, that sort of thing for, you know, cracks or small holes that'll hopefully hold for a while. Um, no, I mean... As far as survival or kits or backcountry, like a repair kit? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just... not talking anything extensive. Like, I've, it's funny, this, uh, when, when I do talks and research for talks on this show, it's, I, I've, I carry stuff, but I've never really looked into what other people do, right? So it's kind of funny when you, when you go online and look at stuff, it's like, oh, People have actually researched and written articles on this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was interesting. And and for the most part, I carry a, quite a few things that I've seen them have, they have here. But it, it's interesting to, uh, and I think it's worthy of note to discuss what kind of things you should carry into the backcountry to save a trip or to uh, get yourself out of a sticky situation. Yeah, there's there's items you can carry and some knowledge to go with as well. Um, that's uh, I'm I don't see that on list like knowledge. Like if you put a hole in your canoe, where we go canoeing, there's there's a lot of like the spruce and and whatnot. And if you watch some of the old videos or films and that on how to repair a canoe using what's around you, like spruce gum and, <laughs> I, and, and I, sap and ash. Can and, you see yourself doing that? I could. Yeah? Yeah. I'd waste a pot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what? If you're way back, if you're if you're on like a month-long trip and you're two weeks in and you crack or put a little hole in your canoe, you're not calling off the next two weeks. Just No, no. Right? Now, you'll throw some, some duct tape on that or something, but exactly. that's not going to hold for two weeks. No, they, so you have enough duct tape so you can keep putting new patches of duct tape on yeah. it. <laughs> but if if you have the knowledge, um, then you you know that you can go get the, in the a sap. Exactly. And you boil it up and throw some ash in there and mix it all up. And, and you can make a good gum that will last. That would be handy. I suppose if you... Uh, you overturn in some rapids, you lost your pack, your canoe is cracked, and and uh, you want to be able to patch that to get down the river, otherwise you're stuck somewhere remotely. I guess you'd have to, a little bit of foreknowledge about how to, you know, how our forebears built their canoes and patched them themselves. A yep. uh, small axe and a knife, if you break a paddle. Yep, carve yourself a new one. Carve, carve yourself a new yeah. one. Um. Yeah, duct tape. Duct tape's always duct in my tape's pack. the go too. Yeah. yeah, I have. I've got a Nalgene bottle that uh, I fill with uh, trail mix every time. You know, I've got my own mix of chocolate and this, that, candies and nuts and whatever. On the outside of that Nalgene bottle, I have like three different types of duct tape. One is like a uh, a tarp repair duct tape. One's a standard duct tape, and one's more of a, it's a sticky, like a Gorilla. They have this, this Gorilla glue. It's a Gorilla glue. They make their own duct tape. Right. So I have these three different types of tape on my Nalgene bottle, and, you know, I put about 12 or 15 feet on the outside of the bottle. So it's bulked up, and it's padded out, but it's, I always carry that Nalgene bottle with me, so I always have the duct tape on it. Well, I've got one of those uh, wristband things. That, oh, it's a whistle and rope. Well, well, it's not a whistle, but it's rope. Yeah, it's it's woven in such a way that if you yes untake off the buckle, it turns into like thirty feet of rope. I've seen them nowadays. They actually the the buckle itself is there's a whistle built right into the buckle. Oh yeah. And then the strap itself is the uh, the twine or the rope, the cordage. Yeah. yeah and like I say, I, I've had to use. I, I've found the need for rope a few times. Um, 
and uh, something like that is is now mind you i usually have the extra rope anyway mm -hmm. and that that is more the, the wristband one's more along the lines of a survival thing yes you know and that's like the you know your life jacket you got the knife on on there you got the flint and steel yeah in the pocket of band-aids a couple other things a flashlight whistle all that sort of stuff that's not that's more the survival side as opposed mm -hmm. to the repair side um but for i found uh i never, I never really Never really brought one along, but I, I'm thinking about one as a multi-tool. I I have a Gerber. I carry a Gerber all the time. Like a small one. I Like I've got a big Gerber that I would never take on a trip. It's just too heavy and bulky. Yeah. But I've got a mini Gerber that, uh, you know, you get some screwdrivers and knives and scissors and pliers and whatever. It, it comes in handy. I've, I've used it quite a few times, actually. Yeah, because there's things around camp even that, like if something goes wrong with one of your, uh, like with your stove or something. Yeah. A bolt or, you know, a little screw comes loose or, or, or something, something like the that. Or something, screws or bolts on your canoe seat or your thwarts comes off. And yeah. And I've done that. We've uh, we've repaired canoes with my little Gerber. You have to take the screw out and unmount the uh, yoke and remount a, a better fixed yoke. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. Again, I mean, you break a paddle, you can carve a new one. But if you break a, a yoke or a thwart, yeah, you know, you can do the same sort of thing, right? And yeah, you, you, that, that goes along with the preparing yourself for, for a trip. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there, there's a, a lot of things that you could take. If you, if you want to load yourself down and be ready for anything like MacGyver. Yeah, that's, yeah I, I never want to get too excessive with extra gear. I'm always trying to be as minimal as possible. Like I've got some luxury items, but I'm not going <laughs> to... Like some of the stuff that they say, you know, luxury additions to your to your backcountry repair kits and stuff. There's, I think, a little bit, some of them are a little bit excessive. Yeah, I mean, they're talking um, heavy-duty awls and stuff for your kayaking. So if you, you know, you need to sew your, your spray skirt or something. Yeah. Uh, there comes a point where, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> it's just going yeah. in the back. I'm not using it or yeah. you'll yeah. deal with it sort of deal but that you're not doing a, a huge repair burn it on and it. buy a new uh, spray skirt when i get home yeah yeah other than that there's not a not a ton um some knowledge knife small axe or whatever to to carve i've seen mention of like an epoxy kit for for repairing your canoe or kayak but i think that might be a little excessive it'd be uh and maybe some uh, you can get those five minute epoxy kits, and they're they're fairly small and compact. And I recall years ago, I did bring one with me, and then I thought, oh, this is excessive. Duct tape will fix that up. Mm -hmm. So I left the. I never brought the epoxy kit again. But uh, some people, I think, might do that with when it comes to kayaks because of the tight fitting of the kayak and and the risk of being out like out west when you're in British Columbia and and. Uh, in, in the straits and whatever you you don't want to get too far from shore if you have a cracked kayak that's only being sealed by duct tape so i guess maybe in a situation like that you want might want to epoxy it yeah i in all the years i've been canoeing i can't see ever having needed anything other than a little bit of duct tape and that was it and uh, some some string in the last few years i've uh some of the guys that i trip with he uh I recall a couple of years where he brought Kevlar and we did some river runs in Kevlar canoes and uh, there was a few cracks, there was leaks and broken thwarts and broken seats and it was, uh, we've done a few on on the river repairs and it's uh, not very recommended to take a Kevlar canoe down a river run, but uh, we've done it. <laughs> Remember, remind me never to go kayaking with you guys or canoeing with you guys. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's you know, still want a light canoe, and we didn't want to bother with uh, renting a Royal X or anything like that. So we just ran it with a canoe that we that that Pierre supplied. Hmm. Yeah. No. You know what? Yeah. I I I think when I'm I'm just mentally going through what's in my pack, and there's not a whole ton of. I mean, if you want to talk repair, um, a sewing kit. Yeah, um, I never brought anything like that. Um, I figured duct tape would fix most of what's going on with what we've I've got. Even yeah, if well, I mean, the sewing kit I only bring in case somebody loses an arm and I get to sew them up with <laughs> Rambo. <laughs> 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 sew that back on. It'll be good yeah. as new. 
No paddle. <laughs> if somebody's got to cut that bad that you need to sew something shut, it's like, too bad, buddy. You're not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, is this arm yours? <laughs> Pack it out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Pack, brought it in. You got to bring it out. <laughs> yeah. So like I say, a, a, big, a good knife for carving. It's maybe a small hand yeah. a, a hatchet, duct tape. That's, that's really it. Yeah. There's, yeah, some people kind of go a little whole hog when they, uh, when they kit out their repair kits. And I guess it really depends on where you're going to be and what type and style of trip. I might bring a few extra items if I'm going to be doing a two week trip, but if it's just a standard five, six day trip, there's not a whole lot of extra stuff that I would need to bring that, uh, is going to get me out of the backcountry because it, it, generally you're not that far away anyways. No, and when I'm looking at what I need to bring, I'm looking at more along the lines of what I would need to bring to survive in case something happened as opposed to what will I bring to repair something. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the bare minimum to get you back on the water and get you mm-hmm. out. Yeah, I'd be, I'm more inclined to, to worry about my survival as opposed to repairing something. But, you know, there are some MacGyvers out there, but I think you're overdoing it. Yeah, you know what? Like I say, I know if push comes to shove and I'm really in trouble, I'm just getting the uh, the pine sap and yeah, I'm repairing it. And if there's enough birch bark, I'm building myself a new canoe <laughs> or hike it out over country. That's right. <laughs> you are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. Whitecaps Rollers gonna tip over. Just my luck. Clouds moving in and winds picking up. No trees, no leaves, no breakers in sight. Gonna be a sore back in camp tonight. Whitecaps rollers gonna tip over. Take the paddle down and square up the shoulders. Keep it straight ahead and get a little lower. It doesn't matter just where you're going north, south, east, west. You're in the right direction if you have a Just where you're going north, 
south, east, west, you're in the right direction if you have a Square up the shoulders, keep it straight ahead and get a little lower. It doesn't matter just where you're going, north, south, east, west, you're in the right direction. If you have a headwind. I'd like to give a big thank you to David Lee, the passionate paddler, for dropping by the last couple weeks and helping out uh, to cover for Derek, who's been away. And hopefully Derek comes back next week with a lot of good stories on what he learned at the Madawaska Canoe Centre. And uh, really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Until then, I'm Sean Rowley. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. And we'll see you next time.